every summer, uh, seminarians are given summer assignments. Uh, so you may have seen, you know, Bryce Higginbotham gets placed at this parish for the summer, or Patrick Riviere is doing this for the summer, right? Um, well, I've been in a seminary now for a while, but, but five years ago, my summer assignment was, uh, I was at St. John's on North Thibodeau, and uh, my, our assignment was to do door-to-door ministry. So our summer assignment was to go from door-to-door, knock on doors, and basically have like this little dialogue with people, you know? We're from St. John's, we're here to check some census work, anyone Catholic live here, you have any questions about the Catholic Church? Um, can we pray with you in any way? Pray for you anyway? You know, there was this little, there was this little dialogue that we had. Um, it was me and another guy. But as the summer kept going, uh, and it kept getting hotter, uh, you know, 110 degree heat, our dress code was long khaki pants, thousand uh, percent humidity. It was pretty nice, uh, let me tell you. And a little, not nearly enough water. Um, we had two general reactions that we would get. Some people were just very polite and sure, fine, that was it. But we really got two like really like kind of kind of out of the normal reactions. One, um, some people were, were very, very nice. Uh, some people were very loving and wanted to talk and would have sat there all day and chatted with us. Some people invited us into their house and we got to visit and like uh, the, the really saintly people gave us water um, because it was nice and hot outside. Um, so we had, the, we had the positive reaction. Then we had the not so positive reaction. We had, uh, get off my property, before we say a word, I don't want it. Uh, whatever you're selling, I don't need. Um, I didn't know Catholics did this. That one was funny. Um, <laughs> a couple of expletives and words that I can't say from the pulpit, um, which you can, I'm sure you can imagine, fill in those blanks. But that's kind of what Jesus is talking about today. Jesus is sending his, this group of 72 disciples out on a mission. He's sending these men out to go and spread the gospel. Now the gospel makes a point in the, first, in the very first line to, to nail home this whole idea of the 72. Why on earth, like what, why is that such a big detail that St. Luke decided, I have to make sure that for the rest of, you know, when we spread this gospel, when, when this word, you know, is echoed down for 2,000 years, why is it that 72 has to be a detail that does not get left out? How is that a detail that, that through the years and years and years of scribes rewriting it and rewriting it, it never fell away? Now, think, think like a Jew for, for a little while. Like, we as Americans, we can think of, like, numbers that really mean something. So, like, if you look at the American flag, we see 50 stars, and we know that's 50 states. We see 13 stripes, and we know that's the 13 colonies, right? July 4th, tomorrow, like, that's a big day for us. Like, culturally speaking, these are things that are just kind of picked up and known, right? 1776, we know, Declaration of Independence, and we can go down the line, right? But if we think like a Jew, and we kind of put ourselves in a Jewish co- context for a little while, the 72 jumps out the same way. The 72 is, reveals something the same way that we would recognize these numbers in our like American culture, right? 
There are two places in the Old Testament that we hear about 72. The first one is right after the flood from Noah. And that, if we look at it, like, so the flood comes and basically eliminates everything. Like clean slate. And afterwards, in the, in the book of Genesis, we start seeing the, there's this listing of all of Noah's descendants. And if you add them up, it's 72. The purpose of that was, it was kind of believed in the Jewish context that the 72 of Noah's descendants represented all of the different nations of the Gentiles. So like they believed that there were 72 cultures worldwide. And that's it. That's what they understood as the 72. So when Jesus is saying, I call 72 disciples to go out and do something, he's saying, I have a mission for you. I have a mission for these people. That's a worldwide mission. This isn't supposed to be something that's just in Israel. This isn't supposed to be something that's just in the, in the Near East back then. This isn't something that, like me and, me and the other seminarians walking around Thibodeau, like it's not supposed to be this small thing. I have a worldwide mission for you to spread this gospel. So that's the first time we see 72, a worldwide mission. The other time, Moses. Moses realizes, man, I need some help. Like we got all these people walking through the desert. I need help. And the Lord says, call, call some elders. And 72 elders are anointed with the Holy Spirit to help in assisting Moses in spreading the old covenant and continuing to help out the people to make sure that the people are kind of walking the straight line, you know, and helping kind of bring them along and form them in the Jewish faith. So we have 72 who are called to assist in Moses's mission. Now this doesn't fall this doesn't like fall away like the audience that Jesus is speaking to hears this and they're like Moses yeah he called 72 he had 72 followers who helped and like had a prominent role in spreading the mission in spreading the old covenant So we have 72 we have a worldwide mission and we have those who are who are kind of deputized to go out and, and assist in spreading it. So what does this mean? Like, like okay, we got 72. That's a cool fact. That's a cool little twofold thing. What does that do for us? We are called, just like those men, those 72 disciples, to continue to spread that mission. In fact, not just we, the laity, in a particular way, are called to do just that. To, one, spread the mission worldwide. And two, to assist, in, to assist the Lord in going out and bringing it to all of the people. So like you as a layperson have that dignity. You as a layperson have that vocation in life, that call to go forth and to spread the gospel and to make the gospel come, come, come alive in every aspect, in every sphere of society. There was a, uh, there was a story 
that a really good priest, a uh, really good homilist I was listening to, he used this story to kind, of, to kind of show this. He said, there was a woman that came up to him after Mass one day, and she was livid. She, had, she, had, she was by the parish, and there was this homeless guy like, in like the city, right? So she's right outside the parish. There's this homeless guy, and he's just like, he's, I don't know if it was like he was dehydrated or if he was like he was sick, but he needed to go to the hospital. And she saw that like, man, this guy, he, comes to, he came like towards the church looking for someone to take him to the hospital. So she hurries up. She sees the guy. She goes to knock on the church. The church is locked. Well, okay. She hurries up. She runs around. She goes bang on the office door. No one's there. She sees the rectory. She runs. She knocks on the rectory door. No one's there. She tries to call the office. No one picks up. And she was just frustrated. She said, you know what? This is, man, this is messed up. Fine. Get in the car. I'm going to bring you. So the guy jumps in the car with her. She goes to the hospital. The guy's taken care of. He's all right. So this woman is standing outside, tells the story to this priest. And she says the comment, she said, and the church was nowhere for this man. The church was nowhere for this man. And the priest looked at her and said, really? You were there. You were there for him. See, the, the church needs an active and inspired laity who are ready and willing to go out and to serve in any, way, in any way that the Lord calls you. The church desires that more than we could ever imagine. That's what the role of the laity is, is to be the hands and the feet of Christ in the world. And now, like, this sounds really good conceptually, but that means, like, going to your family and evangelizing. All of a sudden, it got real, right? Because <laughs> tomorrow, someone, because tomorrow at a barbecue somewhere, someone, all of us have that uncle, right? We got that guy who loves to come and just kind of throw something at us about, what about this? Or we got that aunt or that sister-in-law who loves to talk about so-and-so. And everybody's got somebody's face in their mind. So please pray for them. <laughs> But everyone has that. Like our families are enough of a mission ground for us to go to. The culture that we live in is a mission ground that, we're, that desires and needs Jesus. And they don't even know it. We, we have two reactions that we can receive the same way the disciples did. We go out into the world and some people will accept it and they're going to love us and they're going to feed us for it, right? Like they're going, to, they're going to be all excited about hearing about the gospel and being brought back into the fold. And others are going to reject us. Others are going to say, no, uh, not for me. You can go somewhere else with that whole Jesus freak thing. That whole, that whole Catholic crazy, uh-uh, uh, that, that's not me. Uh, you can go somewhere else with that. But does that stop us? Is that enough to stop us in our mission of evangelizing? In our mission that has been given us to, to us by Jesus Christ himself to go out into the world and to evangelize the culture. A culture that so desperately needs it. Because one of the, one of the fruits of this kind of life, one of the fruits of this kind of life is a joy that is unsurpassable. Like the, the, the saints, right? Like Pope Francis once said, um, we can't walk around as saints that look like we have a wet blanket thrown on us. 
Like we can't have like these kind of straight face, just kind of looking depressed and sad, but we're holy. Like joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of being in communion with God. And joy is a fruit of serving those who the Lord puts in our way. Like listen to the, listen to the words. Of, the, the gospel has like two movements. One, it's like Jesus' mission statement for the apostles, for the disciples. And the other is they're like coming back, their reaction. And listen to the words they say. Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Like, the, they're coming back fired up. They're coming back excited. They're coming back ready to go. Like, man, dude, even, even the demons are listening to us. Like, they are full of this excitement, this vigor for the gospel. And what does Jesus say? He responds to him by saying, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I've given you power to tread upon evil. The powers of hell, the powers of evil tremble at a lay faithful who are inspired by the Holy Spirit and bold enough to live it. Like the, the power of darkness runs from light. Think about that. The power of all of the darkness in the world flees at light. You are called... We are all called as baptized Catholics to be that light in the world. Will it be easy? Not always. Will it be hard? Most of the time. But Paul talks about this for us. He says, may I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like when we put on Catholic faith, when we go out into the world and we live this, we're taking up our cross and we're trying to follow Christ. We're trying to live this mission of the Holy Spirit in the world. It's not easy. But we boast and we find our glory in it. The Catholic, the, there's a big, it's almost like, a, it seems like a contradiction that through the cross we find joy. But there is, but there is, and, good friend of mine said this once he says uh, there is no Easter Sunday without Good Friday there is no joy without first suffering so like spouses you suffer the conversion of your spouse we as Catholics we suffer the conversion of the people around us we suffer it will willingly we suffer it joyfully we suffer it openly that's the faith that we're called to proclaim Pope Benedict, one of my favorite quotes that Pope Benedict ever said was, the world promises you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Are we going to accept the comfort that the world offers? Are we going to accept and live our lives motivated by the greatness, the holiness, and the love that Jesus Christ offers us? Because in a, shoot, in a few short like minutes, he's going to be right here on this altar, giving himself to each of us individually as our, like, as our sustenance as we go out into the world. Jesus meets us in the confessional to cleanse us as we go out into the world. Let that, let the sacraments, let the Holy Spirit, and let our love for Christ 
motivate us as we go forth from here to proclaim the gospel. Amen. Amen.